we're here. We're here strong. We got a fucking new setup. We're ready to go. Man, big ass. Well, first off, co-host Christian Yee. How's it going, guys? How's it going? Yo, Leave some applause. Leave some after effects. You guys hear that voice? Who could it be? Yo, we got a massive guest today, man. Grammy-nominated singer, DJ, rapper, I mean, bro, music executive, bro. This That's man. the first time anyone's introduced me. Bro, Although this... I have a record with Big Sean where I'm rapping, <laughs> I've never, never been regarded as a rapper. Bro, this man does it all, man. We got Clinton fucking Sparks in the building, kind yeah, of. Let's go, go, baby. <laughs> What's good, my man? Chilling, man. Just getting the world familiar over here, finishing another book. Dude. What, what you reading right now? What am I reading or what am I writing? You say you're doing a book, right? Or are you reading or writing? I'm writing. I'm writing oh. another book right now. Oh, uh, wow. So I'm actually writing two more books right now. So I'm pretty much done with one and then uh, I'm halfway done with the other. Clint, I got a question, man. Do you ever sleep? Uh, well, first, I want to say I'm glad you have a question because this would be a horrible podcast <laughs> if you had no questions. It's my only question, uh, actually. Secondly, uh, yes, I sleep. I, of course, I sleep. You know, and I and by the way, I don't subscribe to the whole theory of like, yo, I just grind. I don't sleep. That I like because you need you need to recharge, man. You need yeah. to get some rest so you can get out here and kill shit again. Yeah. I agree with that 100. Sometimes I have to remind this guy because he's such a. He's he's on that grind twenty four seven. No, I got ten hours last night, so I'm feeling. Did I'm you? feeling great. Yeah. Well, really? I mean, like, look, the first like you know, uh, fifteen years of my life, of my career, it wasn't because I had the mentality like, oh, I'm never gonna sleep. It was just it was too much shit to do. So like, sleep would take a backseat a lot because I'd be up. I'd have like three straight days. I'd be up and then I'd just sleep for like twelve hours. Yeah. Uh, but like, I don't recommend that. And that was also because I was in different states like different days throughout the week. I mean, I was a host on E! News and I'd be, I had to fly from Boston twice a week to LA. Oh, so wow. just that alone that I did Vegas every single weekend. And then that doesn't even include shows overseas and yeah. being in New York and all that. So like, I didn't have a choice. Like I had either, yeah. I had to do all this shit and stay up or I just couldn't do all that shit. Yeah. Especially cause you're probably in the studio a lot, like at night or the shows would take you to like probably two, 3 AM. Like, how are you balancing all that stuff out with like maintaining like a solid morning routine and like actually like, you know what I mean? Like maintaining. Well, I'm going to answer that, but I think what we should do here in the den for people that are just have tuned in or have no idea who I am, maybe we should give them a little bit of insight of why yeah. this guest is even on this fantastic show right now. Yes, bro. So, so okay, if you guys don't maybe know, maybe I'll do it because I I love, I'm going to leave rapper out of the title. <laughs> I was just saying this man does everything, bro. Like the amount of stuff that you've accomplished is insane. But please do your intro, man. That'd be awesome. Sure. I'm a Grammy-nominated, multi-platinum producer, songwriter, DJ that sold over 75 million records, worked with everybody from Rick Ross, Big Sean, 2 Chains, T.I., Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Kanye, um, you know, you name it, uh, Beyonce, Lady Gaga. I even signed uh, and discovered DJ Snake. Uh, I've built multiple multi-million dollar brands throughout my career. I was PGD's tour DJ. I helped Eminem launch Shade 45. I was a host on E! News. I was the first resident DJ in Vegas to be on billboards. Um, I helped build a company called Phase Gland from zero revenue to now being at a $1.9 million market cap. Uh, and I currently own uh, the fastest growing gaming lifestyle brand. It's called Exit. And I'm an author and I just wrote a new book. It's called How to Win Big in Let's the Music go. Business with the forward written by Damon John. Some know from Shark Tank, some know from FUBU. Either way, yeah. he would not write a forward unless he knew the shit was hot. Get familiar. <laughs> Let's go. Damn. Yo, oh my I, God. What I'm a retiring. Resume. I'm retiring for the what podcast. What a resume. Game. Dude, no, you, well, I call him a rapper. Can, <laughs> dude, well, you know, it's funny because, so the story to that, so the only thing I've ever rapped on publicly 
was a song called Ambiguous with me, Mike Posner, and Big Sean. And when we made that record, me and Mike were driving to L.A., and uh, I had used the word ambiguous in a regular conversation. And I was like, oh, that'd be a fucking dope title for a song. He's like, yeah, bro, that would be cool. So I was like, (laughs) yo, let's go to the studio right now. So we went straight to the studio. We made the record. Me and Snake made the beat. Um, And then we cut the record. And then... I had said something on the, on my verse. I had just did a, like a scratch verse and it was a little bit over today. It's nothing. Cause we watch friggin' everything online now. But at the time when we did that record, which was, I don't know what year was that? Oh, eight. Um, yeah. we did that record. It wasn't so forward with like just everything that you could imagine is on social media. So I said something that was pretty like, uh, explicit and I wasn't proud to put it out. So then we were like, yo, let's get Sean on it. So we sent it to Sean. Sean did his verse. Well, he came to Boston, I think. He did his verse, and then uh, we wanted to put it out. But at that time, Mike Posen was bigger than Big Sean. So Mike was like, man, I don't want to put this out as a single. And then me and Sean were like, what the fuck, bro? We just <laughs> cut this record. Why not? So then I was like, well, that's fine. I don't want to put it out anyways because I don't even like what I say on my verse. Yeah. So then Sean says to me, yo, can I put this on my, my mixtape? And I was like, nah. And then so he asked me again, yo, man, I'm getting ready to do this finally famous mixtape. Can I put this on? I was like, nah, bro. Like, I don't think I don't think we should put it on. Wait, what did so you say? I, what did you say on the verse that was so explicit? I'll, I'll get to that. Gotcha. Ready? So then, <laughs> so then I'm I get a Google alert, a shit ton of Google alerts that a record's coming out with me on it because it was my name. So it was ambiguous, Big Sean, Clint Sparks, Mike Posner. I'm like, so I text them both, like, yo, who the fuck leaked this record? And then Sean, uh, Mike responds like, not me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, then, so then Sean was like, yo, bro, call me. And I was like, fucking Sean. Oh, so man. I call Sean and I'm like, dude, what's up, man? And he goes, man, I thought you said it was cool. I'm about to put it on my mixtape. I was like, why would you think I said it's cool when literally I said the word no <laughs> every time that you asked if we could put it on that mixtape? And then he's like, oh, man, I, could, I can take it off. I can't change the track list, but if it's a problem... I can take it off. So now there's a lesson in this story, and this is why I'm telling the story. I'm yeah. not telling the story so you can say, look how cool I am that I wrapped in a record, Big Sean. I'm trying to give you the lesson in this story. All right, so here's the lesson. So I was like, you know what, man? Give me a few minutes and let me think about this. So one, I knew that I was upset and I didn't want to react or, or respond emotionally. So mm-hmm. I stepped away. Two, I thought about it and I'm like, well, if Sean thinks it's dope enough to be on his mixtape, and so does Mike, and... He feels this strongly about it, and everyone's going to listen to this mixtape because everyone fucks with Sean in the Finally Famous series, and he's down with Kanye. What's really, why am I fighting it, right? And this is what a lot of people do in life. They have in their mind what they think should be the right way or what will work, and they're so closed off to what other options may exist that they should entertain. That might even be better than what your original idea was in the first place. So when I um, thought about it, I was like, man, why, why am I hating on myself? You know what I mean? Being on this mixtape, but all these people apparently think it's dope. So he ends up putting it out in the line that I was conscious about ended up being the most quoted line in the entire song. Of course. And that line was, unless you want to ask me what the line was. What was the line, Clinton? So the line was, uh, uh, oh, shit. I don't remember the song. Uh, uh, Fuck, I wish we had the song so we could pull it up. Uh, I'm Googling uh, it. I just know that I say, can I come over your house? Okay. No, she goes, she goes, can I come over your house? I say, but can I come over your mouth? Smiley face, LOL, back and forth. I can't tell, but I'll be in promiscuous. So 
Don't oh, be so ambiguous. But when I say, can I come over your mouth? Like, obviously, like, oh, everyone says wild shit today. Yeah, yeah. So why were you worried about that? Was it because you, you felt like it was just too out there? Like, I mean, everyone so, at the time, man, I know it sounds like pussy now to say like, ah, oh, but like at the time that was way overtly like mm. intrusive and like explicit. Yeah. Can I come over your mouth? Like, it was just like, I know you guys, what are you guys, like, 22? 26. Like, yeah, so so you. you guys, like, oh, that's normal. That's what I say to chicks at school. You know what I mean? But, like, at that time, you know, 12 years ago, whatever, 15 years ago, you didn't say shit like that publicly. And you definitely, the internet wasn't what it is now. And there definitely wasn't social media where you would write some wild shit like that. There was a point where you did wild shit. People didn't fuck with you anymore. Yeah. Now, when you do wild shit, more people fuck with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Can yeah. I ask you something? Did you mm -hmm. have? Did you receive? Like, obviously, in your mind, you thought that, you know, I, this is a bad representation of myself. Did you receive any backlash or any negative? People were like, "Yo, why did you say that?" Or did you receive any of that? Zero. Even Zero. girls. Matter of fact, more <laughs> probably girls. helped you. Yeah. They're like, yeah, come on, yeah. that from that line. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Now you yeah. definitely got a lot of pussy after that record. That's for sure. Mm, I didn't need that record, guy. But, um, <laughs> uh, I remember at this time, I'm already like, I'm already a platinum-selling international, you know, DJ. Like, I'm already on 22 radio stations. I'm on Shade 45. I'm doing big parties in Las Vegas. So, like, you know, anybody that that does Vegas parties every single week, like ask yeah. is thrown at you you know what i mean so it's like you have to decide what kind of man you want to be mm. uh and not be distracted or influenced by recklessness like that because you'll get yourself in trouble but did you did you ever fall into that because i you know i know a lot of these like producers and djs like we're going to murder show next week in, in vegas and we're stoked but i've seen a lot of these djs like just kind of fall like scott storch i think is a great example right like he like lost all his money the cocaine the drugs like did you ever fall into that or have you always been pretty like level-headed smart no nah, i never i never did drugs i never drank alcohol um i never i never took my blessings for granted uh and everybody comes from a different background right and they grow up different ways so they're going to acknowledge things receive things uh, engage with things process things differently than somebody else yeah so you can take five guys give them the same amount of money the same amount of success and probably all five are going to handle it differently right yeah. um and, and, and most of them will probably handle it in a way that they'll end up regretting. Uh, so I, as, at, a, at a young age, so look, when I was a kid, grew up broke, my father was an alcoholic, left us, I was sexually abused for many years, I was bullied, I was always like too white for the black kids and too black for the white kids, and I had no name clothes and cockroaches and like just everything you could imagine that, you know, would be something of adversity that somebody must overcome or deal with. I was a criminal when I was, I used to rob houses, steal cars, stick people up. Like oh, shit, I was a man. wild kid from like 10 to like 17. Yeah. Um, and you know that I lived like 10 lives by the time I was like 20. Wow. So because I did that, I understood the world a lot more than somebody that just kind of had like one mm. path of a life. You know, yeah. I, I went to, I had family. I went to a school school. I played sports and like, you have those experiences. I had several experiences and I had many other people's experiences. I mean, even as a kid, one of our first roommates was a lesbian that lived with us. And then we had a gay guy that lived with us and a transgender lived with us. So like I was exposed to even homosexuality early that it wasn't, it was normal to me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. everything that the world had to offer, I pretty much experienced by the time I was 12. So that was normal to me where it takes somebody else like who had never been exposed to certain things 
either they are, they, they, you know, revolt against it, don't understand it or, you know what I mean? So yeah. uh, because I understood all of these things and how different cultures and demographics thought and felt, um, when I finally got success, it wasn't like, uh, I'm not understanding of the blessing that this is, or I'm not understanding of the vices that can come with it or the negativity that surrounds it because mm. I paid attention to life. Look, life is easy. People make it hard. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like, if you just pay attention, the answers are all out in the world. You just have to care enough to find them or even ask the right questions. So if you're wondering like, how do I treat a girl right? Just fucking listen to women. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Or, yeah. or listen to other, or how do I keep a job? Or how do I treat people better? Or how do I, you know, overcome this adversity? Like the fucking answers are there. You just have to care enough to go and ask and listen. Can I ask yeah. you something? Is there yeah. a, is there a, is there a moment like that was really like a revelation moment for you? Like through, you know, through this process that you're like, oh shit. And you learned something that has stuck with you for your life. And it kind of just changed your outlook on everything. Was there any one moment that just kind of sticks out to you? There's a, there's a couple oh shit moments yeah. uh, where you, where it kind of changes how you'll now do things in the future. Yeah. But one of the best oh shit moments I had in my life <clears throat> that changed me for the better was, like I said, I was getting arrested all the time. My mom was sick of getting me out of jail. So she's like, that's it. You're going to live with your fucking father. So I lived in the city city and she was sending me out to the suburbs. And this right? is in Boston, right? Yeah, this is in Boston. Gotcha. So I was born and raised in Dorchester, uh, and then uh, which is like the hood in, in Boston. Yeah. So Dorchester, Roxbury, Mattapan. And then, um, so she's sending me to, but at this time I lived in a place called High Park. And then um, she's like, I'm sending you a father. I can't do this anymore. So I was like, I'm not fucking moving out to the boondocks with a bunch of hicks, right? So like, you know, when you're from the city, that's what you think the whole suburbs is just like rednecks and hicks. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I get sent out there. Now I'm the only white kid wearing like an Adidas tracksuit in like this whole Jewish <laughs> neighborhood. Like all the white dudes fucking hate me because all the girls love me because I'm like, like to them, I'm like, a, I'm like MTV to them. Yeah. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So, so, I, um, so I'm living there and one thing my dad would say to me, now my dad was still an alcoholic. Like I was with him when he hit rock bottom, had to pull a shotgun out of his mouth and deal with all that. But my dad would say this one line and maybe people that are listening uh, can relate to this because, you know, a lot of people have, you know, issues with their parents or their father or whatnot. So um, he would say, I didn't raise you that way. And that would bother me because you didn't fucking raise me. Mm. You know what I mean? So Mm. I asked him a couple of times, like, can you just like not say that line? It just bothers me. And then uh, he finally said it one time. We're at 18. We had the big 18-year-old father-son fight. Right. And and I'm like, fuck you. He's like, fuck you. And I'm like, I'm going to be a way fucking better father than you when I grow up. Watch. And he's like, fuck you. You'll see life gets in the way. And it was like, I left. I'm like, fuck that dude. I'm never talking to him again. Um, so a couple years went by, maybe like four years, three or four years. And I was like 21 or 22. Mm. And I had always resented my father for not being there for all the reasons why most men resent their father, not playing catch, not teaching them things, you know, protecting me from being molested for years, all of these things, making my mom cry. And, uh, when I was around 21, 22, I sat and thought about my dad and I was thinking about what happened to my father that didn't allow him to be the man I needed him to be as my father. Mm. And when I cared enough to look into his past 
And then I found out he was molested. His father used to beat the shit out of him. He gets yeah. sent to Vietnam at 18 years old, comes back a full-blown alcoholic. When I realized all of these things that he went through, and I and this is this is the lesson. When you care about somebody as much or more than yourself, you'll start to feel things you never felt before. And in this case, my feelings went from resentment to empathy. Yeah. And the moment I started to care about what he went through and accepted the fact that he wasn't in a position to be the father I needed him to be, yeah. I had empathy instead of resentment. And, and then I went to my father, embraced him, and I said, let's be best friends. And we were best friends ever since. Dude, that is such a good fucking wow, thing. To, that yeah. shit actually so close. Yeah, because yeah, like so I, I think about that all the time, right? Like my dad just turned fifty nine yesterday, and um, he's you know happy he's birthday. Been, thank you. Yeah, big shout out to pops. Oh, like, he's, happy birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the man, and he's been an incredible father. Like never had any issues. He's you know I've been starting businesses for the last ten years, and he's always had my back. But I, you know, there's certain things that he did that I was like, um, you know, why doesn't he understand this, or why you know why didn't they do this when I was growing up? And I was you know whatever, whatever. But then re recently, I've realized like. They're not just parents like they're also human beings that are individuals first right and it's like what you just said is so important because it's like you have to understand your parents as people and not just like oh that's my father i have certain expectations for for him you know what i mean so i think what I you're mean, saying that's 100 percent right you nailed it and i think we forget you know everybody from teachers to parents to like you forget their people with feelings and a past and like yeah. fears and vulnerabilities and worries and like you just look at them like you should just be fucking teaching me this shit. Well, yeah. maybe I got fucking punched in the face last night and I'm fucked up right now. Or like, you know, you should have been there and had my back. Well, he doesn't even know what it is to be a father because his father wasn't a good father. So no one taught him either. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, wow. you know, and, and people don't take that into consideration. I think we do that as a society overall. And we hold people to these unrealistic expectations mm. that we ourselves most of the time can't even can't even stand up to. You know what I'm saying? It's like Facts. when you see people in the news or people in politics or people like, oh, well, they did this or well, they did that. Look, we're fucking humans, man. Like we all must make we all make mistakes. We got to have each other's backs because yeah. we're not here for long. So if like somebody mm. fucks up, instead of getting mad and talking shit, go see why they fucked up or talk to them or maybe help them or give them some advice. I think we judge each other too much. Yeah. We condemn each other too much. We knock each other down. We insult each other too much. And I think that's one of the reasons that so much divisive divisiveness in this country is because we just more love man more understanding more yeah. caring more paying attention less selfishness you know everybody's just worried about me 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 mm. and it's like it's, it's rare that people are just like what about you how can i help you what about we what about us yeah. how do we help them you know what i'm saying man yeah. i you i feel like I feel like there was a point in your life where kind of just like you said that that emotional maturity kind of set in like like where you're speaking right now like where do you think that changed like it sounds like growing up you're young you're getting yourself into trouble like not really thinking about how this affects other people when did that like change was it just through your pops or like it seems like you have like a, a really good grasp on like other people and how, what they're going through and stuff like that. Well, it goes back to my childhood. So, you know, I, I can, I can probably tell you one of the most significant things that happened to me when I was like eight, yeah. uh, that made me be very intuitive in understanding of psychology of other people. And, you know, when you grow up in a rough neighborhood and you're trying you're so you try to survive, like, look, look, even at night, this guy's coming in my room. I got to figure out how am I protecting myself? 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like when I'm walking down the street getting jumped by like the Puerto Rican kids because I'm going to go buy some milk with my food stamps, I got to figure out how am I going to protect myself? How do I avoid this? Mm-hmm. So like I lived a life that you really had to figure shit out or you just die. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So um, that's, that's really where I started understanding other people like, why do these kids jump me? Why did this guy molest me? Why does my mother do this? To me? Why does my dad like this? So when you, it goes back to caring. Mm-hmm. When you yeah. care about other people and what they're going through, you start understanding life more. And even if you can't fix them or they're unfixable, at least now you have more. It's like having the roadmap or the blueprint or the instructions of how something operates. And everyone's built and born with a different operating system. So when I was young, I was very analytical. And the one thing I was going to say that happened was, I remember there was this one kid. I was always okay with being alone, right? I was always an original kid that didn't fit in, that people would laugh at me. Like when I was, like everyone does music now, right? But when I was coming up in high school making music, that was fucking weird. Everyone's like, oh yeah, I forgot. You got to go make the beats. You know what I mean? And like, everybody's a fucking rapper or DJ or producer or something now. But like at that time, nobody was, right? So I would literally quit my sports teams because I, I my heart was at music. So, yeah. um, so back when I was young, I would hang out and it really frustrates people when people see that you're okay with being just you and being by yourself. Yeah. Like, it frustrates people because they, they can't get to you. They can't emotionally evoke anything out of you. They, because they're, they, cause they can't be okay with that. So it frustrates them that you're okay with that. And I noticed that as I was going through high school, how kids wanted to beat me up just because I was fucking dope. Right. And it was like, and, and they weren't dope. Like I was dope yeah. with my fashion. I was dope with like doing music. I was, I would take over the school rallies and I would fucking dance and fucking all the cheerleaders would go flip out over me. Like, and I just knew what I wanted to do and nothing was going to stop me from doing it. So one of the things when I was like eight, there was this kid in my neighborhood that really was irked by me. Just, I don't know what bothered him about me, Yeah. but I knew that he was jealous of me of something. What are you jealous about an eight year old? This kid's like 12. Right. And <laughs> there was this, there was this dog in the neighborhood that also was lonely like me. So I used to befriend this dog and I would hang out with him and I know this kid noticed how much this dog meant to me. He killed the dog. Right? No. So oh. when I was walking to the store, see, see, this is the internet. There's so many fucking stories out there. We're already ready to jump at the end of someone's story. Cause we've seen so many stories. Right. So, uh, no man, he walked up and he would have stick and just started beating the shit out of the oh, dog. Oh, damn, like I'm actually close. getting emotional now. Remembering yeah. the sound of like the, wah, wah. No, and I'm an eight year old kid. Up, like, yeah. stop, stop. Right. And, wow. and it was just like that moment made me realize the pain that people walk around with in the, in the feelings that people have that they don't know how to deal with. Right. Yeah. And like, I like, it's obvious this kid is either getting beat up at home, yeah. has some trauma that he's dealing with, doesn't understand like people, he doesn't know how to like have deal with his own emotions. And that's how he deals with them. So I think that was the, at the time I didn't know, but now when I look back and because that had such a significant impact on me so much so that I get emotional now talking about it, I think that was a really important moment for me to start actually wanting to dissect the psychology of other people and understand why people do what they do. Do you think this understanding that you have of people, because obviously you have a very like high, like emotional IQ has helped you like navigate 
working with so many different personalities throughout the years. I mean, you work with everybody and they're all different people. Like, like how did, do you think you being able to understand people on that level, like has helped you work with these people? Like, that's a hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. The nucleus of my success. Yeah. That's um, crazy because you work with everybody and I'm sure everyone is different. Everyone has their own priorities. Everyone has, um, you know, wants, has their own goals, whatever, has their own life experience. Yeah. I mean, look at whether I'm sitting at the, you know, in the top floor of JP Morgan world headquarters with the chairman of JP Morgan, yeah. or I'm sitting at Rick Ross's house, or I'm sitting with, you know, some, 17 year old kid who just wants to start his music career right yeah. Yeah. whatever it is like i understand the mentality of all of them because i am all of them yeah you know what uh, i'm saying and i understand where they all came from yeah. i understand how they got there i understand all the dynamics around what it took for them to get to where they are or where they are now and where they want to be so from the end user to the investors to everybody in between i understand the mentality and the psychology and the needs and the wants. And here's one thing I'll say for anybody paying attention is that, well, you think you're out here selling a service or a song or a product mm -hmm. or whatever it is, you're not selling any of that stuff. The only thing that you're selling is a feeling. And when you understand, think about it. Why, what do we buy clothes for? So you feel fresh. Why do you listen to music? So you feel sad or feel better or feel like partying. Why do you buy that product? Because it makes you feel certain ways, right? Why do you go to that festival? Because you feel a lot. Everything is to create a feeling. So if you just understand people's feelings, mm. you can sell anything to anybody. And that's why you're a master marketer. Yeah, bro. That's why you're, yeah. Dude, wow. I feel like you you have this love. I watched the uh, the Yeezus documentary, um, and I was very intrigued by it. And I was like, this man Kanye had like a certain level of just like delusion around his success right like he was so delusional about his like he just fucking knew he was gonna make it right and i feel like you have that quality in you it's like from a young age like you seem to have that like delusional self-confidence of like yo fuck everybody i'm gonna like take over this industry well, it was so, well let me say this so it was never fuck anybody because i never yeah yeah or like fuck the negativity i know it's a figure of speech but i'm just yeah. saying like like even when i watched it too some of those scenes like i was with kanye right after that scene Right. Yeah. So me, we came up at the same time. Wow. Uh, we were really close and like, I know how we are the same kind of minds and we do have, it's funny you make that example because I was just telling my wife, I don't know if you guys seen the Kanye speech when he was talking to the gap executives and he no. was like, he goes, this is a moment in life right now where you'll never have another guy like me with this much passion and care that can do for this company. Nobody else can do it. Mm. Right. And yeah. like, and then he's like, wow. we're like a, we're like Tom Brady and the team and I'm Tom Brady. Right. And it's yeah. like a lot of people look at that mentality or that approach as being an asshole. Right. Or like being pompous or man, this guy's fucking full of himself. Fuck him. Right. But let me give you an example of why. And let me, let me enlighten you guys on, on, on something. We all know and agree that the character Superman is super. Do we not? Facts. Yeah. We all agree he can fly. We all agree he has a superpower of strength. We all agree he has x-ray vision. We all agree and all celebrate the fact that Superman is super, right? Yeah. Yes, like yes, 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 yes. The minute that Superman would publicly come out and say, I'm pretty fucking super, all of a sudden, everybody would now say that guy's a fucking asshole. 
because he's intellectual and aware enough mm. to know that he is in fact fucking super. Yeah. So there are some people out here. There's way more people that think they're super that are not. Yeah. But there are a handful of people that are born with pretty super significant gifts of understanding that other people just don't get. Mm. Right. And it's like people's ego and fear and insecurity won't allow them to accept it because how dare you be smarter or better than me. Right. So like, yeah. think about arguments you might have been in with your girl or somebody else. And they're like, uh, oh, why is it right? Because you say so. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, yeah, actually, because, you know, I've never gotten to I've never gotten to an argument where I don't know. Like, I won't argue just to argue. Right. If I don't know, then I don't know, man. I don't I, I don't even have I can't even argue on this because I don't have enough information. But if I do debate you on something, you can rest assured I will win. Why? Because I know a shit ton of this stuff because I've vetted it out. I have tons of experience and I'm going to give you scientific reasons why what I'm saying is the right way to do it. Yeah. Not my opinion, not my personal taste, fucking facts that you can't argue with. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, so when somebody wins over and over and over again, doing it their way, it's kind of time to shut the fuck up and listen to them. Yeah. Now they're not always going to be right. And a smart person who's really super part of being super is understanding where you're not super. Right. Yeah, so if you're yeah, extremely that's... super, then you'll realize, you know, like me, for instance, I know I'm not super organized and I know that I know it's a week. That's my kryptonite. You look pretty being organized. very organized. Like your right? background. I know I can go in and close a deal. I know I can get everybody fucking excited. And I know I can make people believers and I know I can get it done. However, I'm not the guy that's going to go in and start making a word doc and fucking have it all done <laughs> up administrative wise. So I can now make a nice fucking deck and send it out to everybody. Yeah. That's not my fucking job. That's not, I'm not Aquaman. If you need someone to go into water and catch a fish, go call Aquaman. I'm Superman. I fly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, and that's, we have to realize that like, here's my superpowers, but even Superman knows where he's not super. And that's why Batman or Spider-Man is there for yeah. the justice league. <laughs> that's a good analogy dude that's so crazy um i want to kind of talk more about your music because i you know at the at the backbone of your career it seems like that's kind of what got you that initial start right from doing the music stuff to then becoming an exec at the phase clan to now exit like um what what was that one moment or was there a moment where someone showed you love right so for example like i think it was um post malone he was like oh walk a flock and a couple people posted my uh, white iverson record and that was like the fucking kickstart of my career. So was there mm -hmm. like certain people, industry folks or artists or whatever initially in your music career that really showed you love that kind of brought you into the scene or opened the gates you know, for you? That's a good question. Um, by the way, you guys are asking me dope ass. Like I do podcasts all the time. And you guys go. are you guys are asking questions that are like, this is what the fuck people want to know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We're trying, it's not we're like, trying what's over your why? It's <laughs> not like, what's your why? You know what I mean? Like what? Like, Come on, like fucking everyone <laughs> says the same shit. Like, so, um, so it's weird. It's, it's, it's a good question, but I don't have a good answer because, because of my growing up feeling unloved, yeah. feeling, um, not appreciated, um, and having a dysfunctional understanding of what love really is that I never, even today, I never think I'm as awesome as other people think I am. Mm. So whether it's Beyonce or Kanye or Akon or Diddy or Ludacris or T.I. or Eminem, 
whoever it is that would say super fucking nice things that you would, most people would remember for the rest of their life if just one of those guys said something nice to them, right? And it's like, I mean, I've had the entire industry from Jimmy Iovine all the way down sit in my face and just go on about how great you are, right? And like, man, I don't think you understand what kind of mind you have and da-da-da-da. And like, I never, it never penetrates me. I always looked at it like, oh, they're just being nice or like, or like there's a political reason why they're saying nice things to me or like, what are they going to just be an asshole to me? Like I just made a record for them or I just, you know what I mean? Like, so Mm. I always made excuses for why these compliments or nice things being said aren't a hundred percent valid. Yeah. Uh, And I had, you know, when you grow up the way I grew up, you kind of have imposter syndrome, no matter how many wins you have, you still feel like you're a fluke or you got lucky or it could all be gone tomorrow. Mm. And it's my gift and my curse because the gift of it is like, I'll never, I'll never have an ego. I'll never think fucking I'm better than anybody. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the curse part is though, is like, I don't celebrate myself as much as I should. And I don't poke my chest out and get more things that I probably should get because, mm. because of this theory Here's one of my theories that, um, I've been thinking recently is like, yeah. if you have a goal and well, this is what a, a lot of young people do a lot. A lot, there's a lot of young people I need to get at because young people fucking have this like vision of the world that's so fucking skewed. Like one, for instance, like you got to be a billionaire by 20 or you fucking failed. Yeah. And it's like, it's so whack. And the, in- the internet is so full of fake inspiration and fake fucking gurus and motherfuckers just trying to capitalize on the, the young generation, which mm. then misleads and misguides the young generation to chase the wrong fucking shit the wrong fucking way. And then, and you're not there yet, but when you guys get to 35, 30, 35, and you're like, what the fuck? And you're upset because you thought you were doing the right thing because of all these gurus and these smart people that were teaching Mm. you things. And it didn't fucking work out for you because everybody forgets the most important parts of giving you the game of how to win, which is what I give out all the time. And and like, they're going to go there and like, not know when to pivot, not know how to deal with this emotionally, not know how to deal with certain scenarios because you weren't taught. You get people that pump you up to run out in the field like, fuck yeah, bro, to the moon. And that's like, <laughs> then you get out on the field and you get fucking sacked because you don't yeah. understand the mentality. I can give you gloves and show you the ring and tell you to go punch somebody. But if you don't know what a fucking punch feels like or you don't know how to come back from it or you don't understand the mentality or the discipline or the commitment or the vision or the stress, none of that shit, you're going to fucking die. Yeah. And like everyone's just giving you surface information. And one of the things I care most about, and I've done my whole career, which is why everybody I've worked with has gone on to win big, is because I give them the real game, the Mm -hmm. underneath game that people don't tell you. And everybody thinks it's overnight. And I watch so many young people think two things I see commonly is, one, they think they need to be successful like this year. And then two, they think if they're doing five or six things, like you look at people's bios and it's like a clusterfuck of what the fuck. Like I got a clothing line, a cannabis company. I promote this. I got this album coming out. I got da 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 da, and I got a social media company and I do promo on the side. And it's like, it's like, bro, who the fuck are you? You know what I mean? And yeah, like, yeah. and like talk. they think the more they're doing, the more killer they look. Realistically, you look like you don't know what the fuck you're doing or who you are. It's crazy. And that, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. It's crazy coming from you just because you have so much on your resume. <laughs> but like, I, yeah, it's crazy. But, so. but if you notice, everything that I've done has all connected and made yeah. sense. I also did it at a, at a 
like my, so I started my career in 2000, right? I gave myself a five-year plan. And in five years, all I cared about was making record labels at least take my phone call because they knew who my name was, right? That's all I wanted in five years. In two years, I won Mix Show DJ of the Year. I won Mixtape DJ of the Year in New York at the Grammys for Mixtapes. I was already working with 50 Cent. I was already on multiple radio stations. I was like one of the hottest mixtape DJs. Like all that happened within like two and a half years. I had to make a new plan. And there's nothing better than having this like push your plan away because you already dominated it. But I did that because my mentality wasn't, I want to be famous. I want to be rich. I want to do these like lofty goals. Mm -hmm. I had a very low threshold of where I wanted to be. But my work ethic was fucking insane. So like, yeah. Anybody from the outside looking in is going to be like, you're going to do way more than that at that time. But I don't think people, here's the problem. Everybody wants to be famous and they're less concerned with being great. And the thing is, famous doesn't make you great, but great can make you famous. Yeah. So if you focus on the great, if you think Mm -hmm. about the greats, Walt Disney, Michael Jordan, Jay-Z, Beyonce, Drake, none of them were like, I'm going to practice every day. I'm going to work my ass off. I'm going to de- invest in myself. I'm going to defy all fucking logic because I want to be famous. None of them thought like that. They fucking had a vision and a dream and a passion, and they just fucking did it. Even when other motherfuckers didn't believe in it or yeah. see it, and they did it. And look what happened. And the same thing happened. I'm not Now, by the way, I'm none of them. But yeah. the same happened to me. You know how many people would laugh at me? or shit on me. I was a white kid from Boston trying to make it in hip hop when at the time was black in New York. Like everything was against me, especially also coming up soon, like Eminem and Benzino who was from Boston, who you guys might not even know this beef, but there was a big hip hop beef where Eminem made Boston look whack, right? right. And by the way, and M's my boy, right? Yeah. So it's like everything was against me. And it wasn't the internet where like, especially here in LA, you just show up at like house parties or clubs and like mingle with other influencers and shit like that. When you wanted to get cracking, I literally had to drive from Boston when I was broke. I'd shovel snow, make enough money to pay for gas, drive to New York, stand out in the fucking winter freezing cold between the wind and buildings, stand out in front, look at somebody that was walking in the building that looked like they worked for a fucking record label. And I would be like, yo, man, you work for Def Jam? Yeah, man. Why? What's up? And then I have to, I'd have fucking 10 seconds to sell myself. You know what I mean? And it was like, people don't understand that kind of grind. They think if I just wear fucking the fly gear that's out right now, I go to the hot party in Hollywood or whatever it is. I'm fucking rocking to the fucking singing the same fucking little baby record. Everyone else is singing. Like I'm lit. You know what I mean? And it's Mm. like, dude, you're one in a fucking zillion. There's nothing special about you. You want to be special? Don't do that. Do something different. It's cool to be connected to that so you understand what's going on in culture and you're building a powerful network that you will need when you're building the original you. But when you're doing what everybody else is fucking doing, why should anybody give a fuck? You just sound like everybody else. What are you doing and contributing to the world or culture or business that's unique? Nothing. Yeah. Wow. Real talk. That's how um you mentioned like standing outside of a record label and like trying to get signed. I think that's how J. Cole did it. Like he would like stand outside yep. or some shit like yep. that. And now yep. he's fucking Dude, J. Cole. You brought up Kanye West. Me and Kanye, the same exact I was I actually cried watching the easiest thing because yeah. it was very reminiscent of 
look at you don't know you're making history while you're making it right <laughs> you're just fucking yeah. putting in the work Facts. right so like there's no documentary on me now to look back and watch and be proud of myself or actually remember the struggle right because mm -hmm. when you're focused on just winning and doing dope shit and helping other people you're always looking forward yeah. like you're not yeah, looking yeah. back right um so i don't but when i watched it i got emotional because we did the same thing at the same time. I was running the same people he was rapping to. I was in the same fucking offices. And I understand the frustration and the vibe of when you're in that room trying to sell your vision and they're just kind of pawning you off like the same way they'd call him like a producer. He was yeah. just like, man, aren't you just a DJ? Because like I could get in those offices because I was a cracking DJ. But when I'm in there, it's like trying to sell the dream and getting them excited and standing on fucking tables. Like, how do you guys not see this? This is fucking great. Like we had the same mm. audacity to, yeah. to, to, to like literally go into offices with the biggest executives and regulators. Like, no, I'm right. I'm yeah. fucking right. Trust me. You know what I'm saying? And like, it worked. I mean, obviously Kanye's way bigger than me, but like, look, it worked for Kanye. It worked. I went on and made millions of dollars, made multiple people, multiple multi-million dollar brands, made so many people from Rick Ross to DJ Snake, household names. You know what I mean? Like FaZe Clan. Like I've done it over and over and over again. So when somebody ever says to me, when I'm giving my opinion about doing something, they say, why should we do it your way? Because because you think that's the right way? No, because the formula that I've developed I have proven works mm. over and over and over again. It's not my opinion. It's my formula. Yeah. Wow. No, real shit, bro. Real shit. Um, wow. <laughs> I feel like you guys better walk the just laid The <laughs> wisdom down, man. Like wisdom everyone down. needs to hear this. Like anyone that's coming up in the in a creative space and yeah. music. Well, I'm anything. really glad that you guys had me on the show. Yeah. To be honest, most of the podcasts I get invited to are like real business, like more adult yeah. business like stuff, right? And it's like I don't need to talk to them. I need right. to get at the young generation that's mm. fucked up. You know what I mean? That that feels fucked up, whether they're depressed or they, they're insecure mm. or they're misled, misled and misguided. Cause like there's a lot of motherfuckers out here with a facade. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you guys know, like you're on the internet, everyone's flashing their money, their car, their bitches, their good life, their happiness. Like motherfucker, we know that shit ain't real. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Gosh. maybe some parts of it are, but how are you ever going to get to somewhere real if you're not even letting us know who the real you is? So mm -hmm. someone like me who could actually help you or give you the right advice won't even know that you need it because you're out here making me feel like you're already fucking popping. You don't need any fucking help. Yeah. And then guess what? It's going to be too fucking late when you realize, shit, I should have asked for help or I should have kept it real or I shouldn't have fucking acted like I was bigger or more richer than I am. Mm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like. This is this is this is what everyone I feel like needs to hear around, especially living in LA when we're like when we're you know we we experience this every day, day in day out. Like that's that's the real talk right there. Like thank you so much for fucking laying that down on us. Like, thank you for giving me that, a platform yeah. to share this, and hopefully even if there's one person that listens to this and be like, fuck yeah, I didn't think of it from that point of view, or damn, this fucking makes sense. Like that's all I'm doing. Again, I'm not here to be right. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? I'm here to help. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, and it's with care and it's with tons of fucking experience. Yeah. Like I don't have to, I don't have to continue to prove why I know what I know you should do. It's your job to, to who you're going to listen to, whether it's mm. investing your time or your money in somebody, whether you're going to listen to Gary Vee, who I think is great or yeah. a bunch of other people out here online that aren't great. Right. And then you feel misled or you feel like they're bullshit or you feel it's all scams. 
the world is the world is here to knock you down. The world is going to fucking scam you. It's their fucking job. Just like it's your job to protect yourself. Just like it's your job to do the research on what the right and wrong thing is to do. So whether you're going to invest time or money in listening to people, it's your job to do research on who I am. Yeah. Right? It's not my job to keep convincing you that I'm worthy to listen to. If you don't want to listen to me, then don't fucking listen. If you want to find the right people to listen to, it's your job to read a book or listen to or go to a conference or listen to a podcast like this. So the people that can fucking give you the right game and the people that actually give it a shit and are not just selling a book. Speaking of that, my book is fucking free. No, my book oh, is it free. Is. Awesome. Wow. It's fucking free. Wow. And I made it free because I actually give a fuck about helping people. And like this book, look how thin it is. This book, you know, it says how to win big in the music business. Like when Rob Durdick and, and Damon John and all these people read the book, they'd call me and they'd say, bro, why the fuck did you limit it to music? This is a book on how you win at life. Yeah. But I'm marketing savvy enough to understand yeah. that if the DJ producer Clinton just comes out <laughs> with a book on how you can just win at life, you might be like, ah, oh, what the fuck does this guy know? He's a DJ. So what I did is I made a book to show you how to fucking dominate and navigate your way through building your brand and business within the music business. However, mm. the principles and values I teach you in this book will help you with any business in your own personal life. So it's like putting the medicine in the, in the snack that the kid wants to eat, but then, but giving them the right medicine and they don't even know they're getting it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's why I made this book for that strategic reason. Cause let's look at the independent unsigned, Industry is a multi is a two billion dollar industry right now. There's tens of millions of wannabe artists out here mm. right now that don't fucking know shit, right? All they think they got to do is go to the studio, cut a record, and then put it on spot available on all platforms. And they're like, "Yo, why is my shit not popping? My shit's better than him, mm. but but he's popping because you don't fucking know and you don't care to know because you're not taking the time to invest your money or your time into finding the right people that can give you the right information. Not even just in music, just in life. Look at why do. Why do most young people not listen to their parents? Because they don't think their parents understand them, mm. right? They're like, ah, oh, you fucking old dad. You don't get it. It's a different time, right? Or like, man, my generation's different than yours. Or you don't, da, 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 da. It's like, this is the first generation, like me and my son are the first generation that there's no separation. And here's what I mean. My generation, like above me, when rap came along, or the way that we dress came along, or how the slang we use came along, there was a big divide. Ah, oh, that ain't music. What are you guys even wearing with your pants hanging down? What do you like? <laughs> it was a whole different, it was a different world to them, right? Now, me and my son, and granted, I might be a cooler dad than most dads, but like, my, me and my son listen to the st same streaming services, listen to the same music, watch the same fucking Netflix, care about the same fucking things that's going on in life. Like, it's, it's much more closer than it ever was before. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot more you can learn now from somebody that's older than there was before at my age, where like your parents didn't know fucking shit about your generation. Now, the reason here's the way that you can get through anybody that's young. If there's somebody older listening, whether you're an older brother or a father or anything, when you make somebody and this applies for anything, but I'm just speaking about young people now. If I was even to you guys, right, you guys might be like, oh, well, Clinton's older, so he wouldn't understand this thing we're going through. The minute I can dissect something, your brain, tell you what you're thinking, tell you what you're going through, tell you how you're feeling, 
tell you what the problem is and tell you why you can't get out of this situation because of these things. Mm -hmm. Once you realize I know your brain, now you're going to listen to everything I have to say. The skill is caring. And I know I said this at the beginning of the show. If you care and give a fuck about other people, the way they think, the way they feel, what they, what they worry about, mm. their fears, their needs, their vulnerabilities. Once you care enough to find out how other people think, yeah. now you'll be able to relate, connect, and communicate to them in a way that they're going to respect and believe you because they know that you get them. And it's why parents can't get through to kids because they don't care enough to understand how the youth generation thinks or feels. They pawned it off like, oh, that shit's dumb. Or you guys are you guys are gaming. It's a waste of your life. Really? It's a waste of my life? So, which is another dumb thing. <laughs> you still hear parents talk about how much, I want my kids to go outside and play. I want them, they're wasting their life on gaming. Dude, you'll fucking send me to pop more in a football or dribble a basketball for 15 years with this fucking dream that I might make it to the pros 15 years from now. Mm. Right? Yeah. Or I can fucking game and fucking start making money next month. I can build a career. There's so many things within the gaming space from being a manager, from being a publicist, from being a talent. There's so many different (laughs) career opportunities within gaming, just like there is in the music business. Everybody thinks they need to be the famous rapper. Dude, there's so many other jobs and things that can make you just as famous or rich, but you're all trying to be this fucking rapper that you're just not hot. You know what I mean? Like, Mm. and it's like, you gotta, it's okay to let go of one dream and chase another dream and build a new dream. Mm. And I see so many people like, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, that even when it's not working out, it's not making sense, and people are telling you, nah, B, it's yeah. not for you, like they still keep doing it. And this, and I know that's contradictive of somebody saying you gotta keep going when you have a vision, but you also have to be smart enough and self-aware enough mm. to know that maybe your vision's a little unrealistic and you might have to make some adjustments. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel like I just said like 13 different no, things. No, no, no. It's, I have a couple of things to go off and we have some additional time here. So um, our engineer will let us know. We have to stop. But, you know, it's, it's like weird because it's like with Kanye, right? If he had listened to one person back then at the office when he was rapping in front of that lady who like wasn't really paying the you know attention to him. Like yeah. if, if he had listened, it was like she was like, you know what? Don't do this, Kanye. He's like, all right, I'm going to stop making music. Right. There wouldn't be Kanye today. Like we wouldn't have Kanye West. So where is that balance? Like when do you when do you start listening to the the noise? And then when do you? I'll, I'll tell you when you know that your plan or your dream might not be for you, or when. Yeah. Because <laughs> every some people are like yeah, but I'm supposed to believe in my dreams and keep going. Right. Yeah. True. That's the great foundation. Yeah. But when you keep being told by experienced people mm. that this is not for you, when you keep wasting money when it keeps not working, when you keep not building a fan base, when other things similar to you are working and yours isn't. Yeah. Like that's time. like with any business, like what are we doing wrong? Listen to the market and, and, you know, and be able to pivot and understand when it's time. Maybe like, look at little Wayne, little Wayne was popping. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, wasn't around for a while until I put together his CD with him and DJ Khaled, which set them off again. But it was years later like that he found, he didn't always rap like that. He figured that out later. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a lot of people that find their magic later. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and like, so you can start now, but if the way you started now isn't working, you have to pay attention to the market and yeah. feedback, not haters, non-believers yeah. and negativity. People that actually are giving you sound feedback. Cause guess what? If a regular person's like, 
yo, man, I, this shit is not dope. You, you can't be like, fuck that dude. What has he done? You got to be like, all right, that could be a potential fan. Mm-hmm. I need to put that in this bucket of the market that's giving me feedback. The reason why I've never got an ego or never get upset if someone gets what I don't have or whatever it is, because from the minute I started my career, I was a brand before everyone's a brand now. When I was calling myself a brand in 2020 for the first fucking decade of my career, I was laughed at. They were like, what do you mean you were a brand? You're a fucking dude. You're a DJ. What do you mean you're a fucking brand? Yeah. That's why I've always been Clinton Sparks, get familiar. That was my tagline. More people, whenever I walk down the street, get familiar. I still get it now. I go to the airport, yo, get familiar. Because it was my it was my just do it, yeah. right? Yeah. And when I started that, I immediately separated myself from myself. I became Clinton Sparks, the brand, and I was the CEO of this company. Yeah. So whenever somebody would say, yo, you're the shit, I love you, you're the best ever, mm. it never went to my head. And when somebody would say, yo, fuck you, your shit is whack, I never got offended. I looked at it from a from an executive point of view of like mm. what the market's saying about the company I run. And if I'm going to be a better leader and I want to run this company right, I have to know when and who to listen to so I can make adjustments to make it better. Yeah. Now, it's kind of what you're saying. It's kind of like, to me, it's that from what Gary Vee says, he's like, you're a media company first, right? So my question is like, do you A, subscribe to that? Like the fact that we're all a media company first, right? It's the reason we're here doing this podcast. But like, um, let's say you're someone for, from a practical advice perspective, if you can't afford a vlog guy to you know, follow you around with a camera to like film and document what you have going on, which is what Kanye did. Like, what is someone, is someone that's coming up in the game? Like, what can they do? Should they be vlogging like with their iPhone? Like, what are some tactical tips that you'd give someone that wants to come up uh, with that perspective of like, I'm a media company first? Well, it depends if that's what you are. If you're trying to be something that requires you to be a media company. And I think that goes back to what I was saying of, of every young person thinking that they need to be this, this like one person conglomerate, right? Like yeah. every, that's not for everybody. And then, and like everybody on, like I see so many young people that feel like they got to keep up with social media. They got to do compelling stuff. They got to be interesting in order to be considered worthy to care about or to be valuable, even internally. Like, and they get stressed out and depressed because they're like, I don't have good stuff to post. I don't even know what to post. I'm not good at writing captions, blah, 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 blah. And we get so caught up in this like, well, if you want to matter in life, you got to be fucking popping on social media. And it's like, it's not fucking true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're a media company if the things you're doing require you to be a media company. Yeah. So if you're, if you're a, a company that's selling you know, merch or you're making music, then yeah, there's several things you need to do to, that's media-wise mm. to be able to uplift and amplify and highlight this company that you're building. But everybody's not a fucking company. And that's why everybody feels like they have to be. Like, I knew what I wanted to build, and that's why I made myself a brand. Also, so I could detach my emotions mm. to what the brand is doing and how well or how not well the business is doing. Yeah, but no, I don't awesome. feel that everybody, and I don't think he meant everybody in the world. Right. I think he meant those people that are have aspirations within this space. Yeah. That have these kind of aspirations. The problem is everybody feels like they have to be that. Yeah. Right. And like, they don't feel like it's okay today Mm. to just be a happy fucking person that doesn't really do many things, but loves fucking being alive. You know what I mean? Like maybe likes hanging out with his friends, maybe just likes to watch fucking cool new shit on Netflix. Maybe likes to fucking 
landscape. I don't know what the fuck, right? You know what I mean? It's like everybody feels like they got to be a star. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they got to be on rap caviar. They got to be fucking the next actor on Netflix. They got to be at the biggest parties. They got to be the most popping influencer on TikTok. And it's like, no, you fucking don't. Like, it's okay. Yeah. Like, Real shit. To just be a fucking alive. Love that. Real Love shit. That. Hey, Clinton, uh, we're, we're just about out of time here, but I just want to say thank you so much for, for, for sitting with us and laying down all that knowledge. You're such a positive influence to, you know, all the up and comers that are looking up to you. And, um, I just wanted to ask if you got any plugs you want to plug in where people can follow you on the socials or sure. uh, yeah. all my socials at Clinton sparks. Awesome. Obviously. Uh, and also, uh, you should follow the fastest growing gaming lifestyle brand in the world. We got Ozuna, Sway Lee, T Grizzly, Quality Control Music, Ezekiel Elliott, and so many more people are getting ready to announce. It's at Xset, X-S-E-T. Um, get familiar with that. But yeah, at Clinton Sparks. And by anyway, if anybody wants to learn how to win big in the music business, uh, get my free book. It's winbiginmusic.com, winbiginmusic.com. And by the way, let me say that the book is free, but you pay for shipping. Don't talk shit. I ain't going to pay for your fucking shipping too. <laughs> I, I spent 20 years of doing this shit. I spent on millions of dollars to get this game to give to you. And by the way, this book is not a lead magnet that is like, here's what you got to do. Here's the problems. Now buy my course so I can teach you how. This book is the fucking how to do more dope shit and less whack shit. I have courses and shit. You don't have to do it if you don't want to go further. The book is good enough if you just want to fucking launch your career and understand the right way to navigate and win big. I'll never mislead you and I'll never fucking sell you snake oil and I'll never fucking sell you a, a lead magnet for something else. Everything I give you is the fucking truth and this is what you fucking need to know. Take it or not. My man, Clinton Sparks, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. Big shout to Clinton, yeah, man. What an Amazing episode, episode. Man. What an episode. We love it. No, thank you, guys. Thank you for being a platform to help the audiences and the people know and learn the stuff that they need to learn, man. It's people like you guys that, that are vessels uh, for other people. So I appreciate you having me on the show and for the opportunity and helping others. Thank you. My so man, much. we love you, brother. Yeah. I'm going to call you after this. Yeah, we'll see you All soon. Right. <laughs> Later, boys. Peace, Bye. guys. Finish your apple. <laughs>